1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're gonna talk about a traditional digital marketing channel if such a thing actually exists. Joining us is Perry Marshall, who is the owner of Perry Marshall Associates, which is a Google AdWords-focused consultancy that has worked in over 300 industries. Perry is endorsed by Forbes and Inc. Magazine and is one of the world's most expensive business consultants. And today we're gonna talk about why and how brands should prioritize AdWords over other performance marketing channels. Okay, here's our interview with Perry Marshall, the owner of Perry Marshall Associates. Perry, welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Good to be here. Thanks for having me. And we're just going to have a really candid conversation about digital marketing.
1: I'm very excited to finally have you on the show. I know we've danced around getting this episode scheduled for a little while. And one of the things that hit me when I reviewed your profile for the first time was you're listed as one of the most expensive business consultants in the world, which means you must be doing something right let me ask you, is it as simple as a consultant? Should I just raise my rates and start telling everybody that I'm one of the most expensive guys in the world?
2: Well, I don't think it's that simple. One of the cobbler's shoes aspects of marketing people is a lot of times we're good at helping other people with their unique selling propositions and the marketing consultants I often don't have one themselves. And really, your ability to charge high rates is directly to, you know, do you have a diamond tip saw blade unique selling proposition or not? So, yeah, there's a whole world of lookalike marketing consultants and you need every form of credibility that you can get. And more power to those who can be worth a lot of money. I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, if I was suddenly extremely wealthy and I could just work for free, I wouldn't be doing the world any favors by working for free because people don't respect cheap consultants. So it's actually to the customer's benefit for you to be legitimately expensive.
1: Bad news for everybody who's looking for brand development marketing strategy from Ben Schapp, LLC. Our prices just went up. That said, Perry, I want to talk to you a little bit about your specialty. Let's talk about the big G, Google and the AdWords platform specifically. Give us a little background about you, your company and your relationship with AdWords. Talk to us about what you do.
2: Well, I hung out my shingle in late 2001 after I quit my job and I was doing various kinds of marketing consulting, mostly in the industrial space. And Google AdWords started in early 2002 and I started using AdWords about a month or two later. And I already had a pretty strong direct marketing background. And it took me about two days to figure out, Oh my word, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen in my life. The whole entire English language is up for sale. And I don't have to pay until the person actually clicks on an ad. And the cost of these clicks are not very expensive. And I can instantly, immediately, and constantly split test anything I want. Like the possibilities that this opens up. I was just totally geeked out. And for about a year, it was my little secret fishing hole. It's like, I'm not telling anybody about this. I just told a few clients and it was mostly under my hat. But Ken McCarthy, who at the time ran the leading online marketing seminar for direct marketers, he discovered me and he says, Hey, I think you should come to my seminar and speak on AdWords. And Back then, Google was this weird little search engine with a blank white homepage.
1: It wasn't Yahoo. It didn't have a big homepage. You couldn't check your fantasy scores on it.
2: Right. So it was kind of weird. And actually, I didn't even think the word Google was all that easy to remember. Like, What was the name of that other weird search engine? But I liked it. As an engineer, I was already using Google. I mean, I was actually a marketing guy, but I have an engineering mentality. And I liked the way Google worked. I liked the way the results. There was clearly a simpatico thing, even before they had an ad platform. I just liked the way they thought about things. So then about the time that Ken asked me to speak at a seminar, within a few months, AdWords just went on fire. And really what set it on fire was affiliate marketing there was all these people who figured out, hey, wait a minute, I can go sign up at an affiliate program somewhere selling whatever, whether it's Amazon or eBay or a million other, literally a million other affiliate programs. And I can get my affiliate link and I could bid on whatever part of the English language has to do with that product. And I can arbitrage the difference between the cost of the clicks and the affiliate commission. And it almost sounded ridiculous, but it worked. And that was what put really got Google on the rocket ship upwards was it wasn't the advertisers themselves. It was a bunch of jockeys on the internet, invisible like working in their spare bedroom. And within a few months, I had clients that were spending tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars a month buying Google traffic and doing these kinds of things. And then it was like the conquering of the Wild West. So, here we are, and it's seventeen years later, and man, a lot has changed, and some things have stayed the same. But I got in front of that curve really early, and Wow, what a ride!
1: So I mentioned in the intro for this podcast that you know I'm calling Google a traditional digital marketing channel, which honestly <laughs> is an oxymoron, right? Like the rise of digital marketing is still so nascent compared to other channels. I'll go back to TV as radio has been around for 50, 75 years, something along those lines. And then you go back before that out of home, direct mail, all sorts of other channels obviously have a longer run than anything that would be digital. But looking in the past 25 years, Google and search marketing is one of the older channels. You mentioned that you were there from the beginning, And originally, it was about conquering the wild, wild west and teaching affiliates how to drive traffic so they can play an arbitrage game with some of the affiliate networks. How has that changed? And talk to me about the current status of search marketing as it exists today.
2: So when I figured out direct marketing actually works, which I'd done a bunch of other stuff that didn't, and most entrepreneurs have been through that whole valley of fire in their life of trying stuff that doesn't work. I was like, wow, what if I got really good at this? So one of the people that I paid a lot of attention to was Dan Kennedy. And Dan had this whole story about how infomercials had evolved out of the 80s with a change in legislation. So I remember when I was a kid watching some 1985 infomercial shot with a single video camera in the back of a Holiday Inn. And a guy's got a overhead projector and he's selling get rich in real estate on late night TV. And it was like really cheaply done. And then, well, Dan explained how that's how infomercials started. And it was just like these little renegade guys going out there and trying this crazy thing. And then you fast forward 5 or 10 years and all the big corporations started catching on. And the price of media went up and up and up and up until by that time when I was learning it, an infomercial was automatically at least a $100,000 proposition like just to even test a simple prototype of a show. So there was this whole lesson about how media starts out. It gets expensive. The little guys come in and they exploit it. And then the big guys eventually catch on. And then it gets priced sky high. And then it drives the little guys out of business. And when Google came along, I instantly recognized this is on the same exact trajectory. This is like microscopic fractal infomercials is what this is except they're little text ads instead of video. But it's really the same thing. So I realized, okay, so what's going to happen here is that there's going to be a massive gold rush, just like the California gold rush in the late 1800s. And then they're going to stake their claims. And then a market is going to mature and it's going to develop. And then the poorly prepared are going to wash, wash out. And then you're going to be left with the winners. And, and that's exactly what has happened.
1: That's exactly how I feel about the podcast advertising landscape as it exists today. We're in the middle of the gold rush. It's the wild, wild west. Nobody knows what to pay, how to price their services, right? And that's a timeline that's followed the rise of every single significant marketing channel, whether it's Google, Facebook, and social media advertising. And now we're getting into sort of the, in my opinion, the same trend with audio advertising as well.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And so it's always the same pattern, okay? The early adopters and then the big, massive bunch of people, and then there's late adopters. Now, with Google, there's another factor that you kind of have to understand in order to see how it all fits together, and that is it's the role of legislation and regulation. So, about 10 years ago, Google got, I think, a $500 million fine. For knowingly accepting advertising from Canadian pharmacies that were selling drugs into the United States at super discount prices. And the US government basically said, you know, if bad guys are doing stuff, we can count Google on the head instead of having to go find them ourselves. Well, I think this was actually a really bad idea on the part of the US government because now what they did was they created a situation where Google, because they could be punished for the sins of their advertisers, had to devise ways of not allowing the advertisers to sin. But of course, human nature being what it is, Google can't actually tell anybody really what they're doing. So Google started machine gunning thousands and thousands of advertisers For all kinds of reasons, like if they thought they were selling anything that was remotely controversial or risky or health-related or make-money-related or any of that, they started implementing all these policies. So as a result of this, and actually also as a result of Google being a public company, Google Ads has become a rather bureaucratic thing also where there's all these policies and all this kind of stuff. And then on top of that, there's another problem. This might be the biggest problem with Google. I mean, I realize I'm not painting a very rosy picture, but I mean, I just got to tell you what's going on here. Say it like it is. Okay, is Google will lie, cheat, and steal to get your money. Okay, they will say anything and they train their staff to give people bad advice that the staff does not know is bad advice. If I had a dollar for every client or customer or book reader who has said, hey, I got this call from Google and they told me, oh, you know, you need to do this and this and this and this to your ad account. And then I like all my conversions dropped to zero and my costs skyrocketed and we lost $50,000. This happens like every day. You cannot trust a Google rep any further than you can throw them. I know this sounds weird because Google is such a trusted brand and it's such a quality like, you know, the Google properties like Gmail and Google Docs and the search engine and YouTube and everything are so high quality. It's very incongruous. But I'm telling you, on the inside, their sales department is a den of thieves. And you can't believe anything they tell you.
1: I don't know if that's necessarily something that's specific to Google. I think that when you're asking a platform provider how to optimize for their platform, right, their real goal is to get as much money out of your pocket into the company's coppers. And I think that with Facebook and, you know, any time where you can have a rep, even LinkedIn, all the other platforms, I don't know if it is necessarily something that is unique to Google of saying there is a representative from the company telling me how I should market my campaign. And what they are doing is optimizing for spend, not optimizing for profitability or revenue. That's what their incentive is, right? You just look at their comp structure with any salesperson. They're trying to get you to pay as much as they possibly can. Right. So I, I understand what you're saying. I think you do have to be careful with them taking advice from the platform owners because obviously they want you to invest as much money in the platform as they can.
2: Carte Blanche, do not take their advice. Look, it's always been true that you're on one side of the aisle and they're on the other side of the aisle. Well, yeah, everybody gets that but they are much more mercenary than they ever used to be. And they will send they will send you emails that are very carefully scripted that tell you, well, we've done all this analysis and we figured out blah, blah, blah.
1: Got to figure it out for yourself, right? Run your own A-B test and don't just trust the tools. Right. Figure out what your strategy is. So a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know Talk to me a little bit about who Google, now that the platform has matured, who is it for? Who is it working for? Where, what are the types of companies that should be investing into Google as opposed to some of the other performance marketing channels?
2: So we've got a couple of quizzes on my website. If you go to isaw4me.com, it stands for is AdWords for me. If you go to isfb4me.com, that's for Facebook, is Facebook for me. And you can take a quiz and it'll ask you a whole bunch of questions and it'll tell you how suitable is your business for Google search? How suitable is your business for Google display network? And what's the relative level of competition that you're probably in for on that platform? And there are situations where people go through a buying cycle and they are going to be searching on a search engine for certain things and you should be there. Or there are other kinds of things where contextual advertising, like for example, in-market advertising, Google can figure out if somebody's shopping for a refrigerator. And then they'll put their ads in front of you when you're on the New York Times and, and you want to be targeting people like that. And we have very good trainings for using Google advertising. And there's lots like, especially on Google Display Network, There's about a dozen different ways that you can target traffic. You can do keyword-based, you can do topic-based, you can do in-market, you can do remarketing and retargeting, you can upload lists and say, I want customers that are similar to these people. So the good part about all this is that these platforms evolve so fast and they're literally spending billions of dollars to maximize the money that they can make and the opportunities for contact out on the internet with various users. What you can do on these platforms always runs way ahead of what the pack is actually using them for. So if you can get ahead of the learning curve, Like we have a course called Google Ads Mastery by Mike Rhodes, who runs the leading AdWords agency in Australia, and he's extremely good. So if you get ahead of the curve, there are absolutely huge opportunities, make no question about it, but you really have to sharpen your pencil.
1: The thing that comes to mind, and the metaphor that I think of when I'm looking at the AdWords and even the other mature performance marketing channels, I'll throw Facebook in there as well, that used to be like driving a car. There was gas, brake, steering wheel, are you in drive, reverse, or park? Let's throw neutral in there, and that's about as complicated as it gets. And people could figure out the lights and the turn signals, great. Not overly complicated, something that requires some practice. There wasn't a ton of bells and whistles. I think of it now more like flying an airplane. That's exactly right. Where you can fly multiple different directions. There's so many variables. There's day targeting. There's choosing broad match or direct match or exact match. There's a million different variables that I could list out. Facebook being the same way that if you're not in the platform all of the time, it's really hard to distinguish what is the right balance of the ability you have to target right? Should you be focused on somebody that's a like audience, building your own audience, then trying to match it? I'm sure AdWords is, and I I did some AdWords tests for marketing the MarTech podcast. And as it turns out, our cost per acquisition for a download was five times higher than just trying to find people through podcast advertising, which is we're trying to reach people that are listening to podcasters. And I'm sure I could have tweaked that to be more efficient, but the time and the risk to be able to do it was just not worth the effort. Talk to me about are there specific brands, types of industries where it's worth putting in the time to get ahead of the technology curve to understand what are all the levers you can pull and turn or should you be hiring an agency? Should you just look for other channels that are a little easier to operate?
2: Hiring agency is fraught with problems too (laughs) because if you don't know the platform to some degree, you don't have hardly any ability to judge who's telling you the truth and who's not. So I have a couple of recommendations about that. First of all, never, ever, ever hire an agency if they can't show you that they learned how to do it on their own dime and they have to prove it to you.
1: What do you mean by learned how to do it on their own dime?
2: When they learned Google ads, they were spending their own money on their own business. They did not learn it working for a corporation, spending the company's budget money. They did not learn it as an agency learning on the client's dime.
1: Why is that so important? You would think that as long as somebody has the prerequisite skills to understand how to set up your targeting to be effective, that that's good enough.
2: No, it's absolutely not good enough. You do not understand advertising unless you have spent your own money. A person who spends their own money behaves completely differently than a person who's spending somebody else's. And when you blow $5,000 and you were supposed to make your mortgage this month and now you can't, you learn it at a whole deeper level than a person who's spending somebody else's money.
1: So I think the suggestion here is understanding your risk tolerance. It is somebody that has invested their own money to understand how the platform works, has the ability to test small and then expand when it's working, as opposed to throw out a bunch of money, bring on a bunch of risk, and then hope.
2: Well, right. And the person who learned on their own dime, they know kinesthetically, like it's in their muscle memory how this thing works. They're much, much better at doing it. They're much better at meeting the targets, meeting the KPIs, having workarounds for problems. And you've really got to be caveat emptor with this. And also, okay, here's another thing. A lot of people think that Google Ads, it's like a secondary skill. It's like, oh, you know, I don't really want to do that. Go hire it. It is one of the most valuable functions in the entire company. It's $1,000 an hour work. It's not like something that you just have your marketing assistant, hey, go set that up. Even a highly paid founder of a company, I mean, I've got tons of customers where the founder of the company runs the Google Ads and outsource your laundry, outsource your snow shoveling, don't outsource Google Ads. And if you do outsource it, you only outsource it to a person who learned on their own dime and can prove it to you. I'm telling you, people do not understand how powerful of a lever this is if it is done properly and how much money you can lose if you don't do it properly.
1: One of the things that you mentioned already is that there's maturity in the Google ad platform, not only from the targeting options, right? There's a huge learning curve to be able to master Google AdWords, but also in the level of competition. So how do you think about where AdWords sits compared to some of the other primary digital marketing channels? And I'll throw out that there's performance marketing through social media, there's display, affiliates, audio advertising, podcast advertising, out of home television, like where does Google in your mind fit into the greater landscape and who's doing it right?
2: So, there's a yin and yang of Google ads versus almost all of the other digital marketing, like Facebook ads, Instagram ads, LinkedIn, all that stuff. And here's what it is the social media oriented platforms are easy to jump in and get a quick and dirty success. In fact, the quicker you're trying to get a result, the better these social media platforms are. But the other social media platforms, they fatigue very quickly. So a Facebook ad will do really well for a couple of days, and then it'll start wearing out because it only reaches a finite audience and then everybody's seen the ad before. So the cost per acquisition starts rising. And many times people can only get ads to work on Facebook for a few months and then they're basically baked. With Google, it's harder to get a Google campaign running because it requires a lot of testing and optimization. But once you have it running, it can run for months or years without very much modification or only just some routine pruning and cleanup. So Google is a slower moving but higher momentum, lower maintenance thing on a long-term basis. And there's a kind of a holy grail element to that because it's less of a treadmill and it's less of a cat on a hot tin roof. So... That's really how Google is relative to the other ones. I think the reality is modern digital marketers are going to be marketing on multiple platforms. And the way I categorize is that you should be on one platform that's some form of live interaction, like a webinar. You should have something that's recorded video. You should have something that is recorded text-oriented And you should have something that is live messaging oriented. And if you can be in all of those quadrants at the same time, you'll seem like you're everywhere. So if you're on Google, if you're on Facebook, if you're in email, and if you are on, let's say, live Zoom or Skype or webinar or phone calls with customers, you've covered the modalities through which people relate to content. And you will seem like you are everywhere if you do that.
1: Yeah, I think my big takeaway here is when you're comparing the performance marketing channels, Google is not one where you're worrying about your ad maturing and expiring. And that's something that the display-oriented, the graphic-oriented channels do face. If you find a high-performing ad, there is very little need for you to change it over time. So once you master Google, it becomes more of a set it and forget it channel. And so the question is, you know, what's the peak that you can achieve as opposed to, are we going to get hot and then be able to stay hot, which is really where the display oriented video oriented performance marketing channels live.
2: Yeah. And I wouldn't call it set and forget, but it's definitely much longer lasting than the other ones. And it requires less ongoing maintenance than the other ones. I mean, really, in Google ads, if you're going in and checking your ads and your campaigns every week for even just a few minutes and you're trimming and you're pruning and you're constantly testing some new things, then you're going to be just fine. Whereas social media could be an absolute hamster wheel of nonstop activity. So there's a very big difference.
1: I think that's a great point. And I also think that's a good stopping point for us today. So Perry, thank you for joining the show. We're going to continue our conversation tomorrow. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks again to Perry Marshall, the owner of Perry Marshall Associates for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow morning, Perry is going to talk to us about the most common misconceptions about how to optimize your Google AdWords campaign. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Perry, you can send him a tweet at Perry Marshall, P-E-R-R-Y-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, or you can visit his company's website, which is perrymarshall.com. A couple of links to tell you about that are in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We'd love to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com question, where you could send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. And of course, you could always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Perry Marshall, the owner of Perry Marshall Associates, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Or if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio players, episodes, summaries, and the contact information for our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.